Nothing prophetic to say from anybody this week, but hello and welcome to We Go Again podcast. It's episode 43, and I'm trying to work out how long this episode is going to be. It's Kristen Smith sitting over here in Germany. And here in West London, it's me, Rob Overfield, and unfortunately I fear that you poor listeners are going to hear me rather a lot this evening. And here in Berkshire, it's me, James Bartby, and... Uh... Yes, considering the breaking news and the fact that Rob's here, I could be here a while. <laughs> I, I don't know, I'm, I'm one to talk, I know. <laughs> I think you will be one to talk tonight, um, because there are going to be some things to say. Um, but it's been, we, we did last week is a talk from the National League of the Null and Void, and tonight, Rob, we have the breaking news that um, although all votes have not been cast and counted, there is an unassailable majority voting for what? Well, as we last week, as you quite rightly said, we went through the resolutions, we went through the state of play and how things were, you know, how things could work out. And just in the last hour, as we record this, you know, on the Thursday evening, the news has broken from the National League that... After, you know, all but two clubs have voted, the National League itself will continue, but the National League North and South will be declared null and void after a vote of the clubs. Um, the voting, when you look at it, is quite interesting. The first resolution, basically, to allow the individual steps to make their own decision and basically make their own choice about what they want to do for the rest of the season... That was passed quite comfortably. There was only 18 of the 66 clubs that voted against, 64 votes only. So it was passed quite comfortably, more than a two-to-one majority on that one. So so as a result, Resolution 4, the block voting was discarded. We got to the Resolution 2, where it was the National League only, where the clubs were asked about did they want the, the season to be declared null and void, and there was a 51% majority needed for this. Seven clubs voted in favour, 13 clubs voted against, so therefore the National League itself will continue to operate as normal for the rest of the season. We're not sure yet, because this has only come out in the last hour, what this means for promotion. And There's no relegation, so we're just looking at promotion into the EFL. Again, no word on that yet. That could come out after the weekend, after everybody's had a chance to sit down and work it all out. When we go down to step two, the National League North and South, again, the question was put to them, the season to be declared null and void, and a 51% majority again was required for that to pass. The voting split is actually very interesting on this one. In the National League North, 15 clubs voted to declare the season ended, null and void, it never happened. Seven clubs voted against. In the National League South, nine clubs voted for the season to be declared null and void, but 12 wanted the season to continue. However, when you total up the votes across both both divisions, across step two, it meant that 24 votes across the um, across the clubs, the 43 clubs, 24 of them had basically said, season's done, declare it null and void, we'll start again later in the year. And 19 clubs voted to carry on 
But because of the big National League North majority, again, two to one, then the resolution was passed. And so subsequently, step two joins the rest of the other steps in non-league football in being declared null and void. So now that basically the vote's over, these two votes won't make any difference to the you know to the final result. It's now got to go to the FA for some ratification and the discussion about promotion and relegation. It's disappointing it took so long for this decision to be made, but ultimately I do think it's the right one in the end. Yeah, I can, I'm just sorry. I was just looking at Ollie Bayliss' tweet and uh, just following along with you there, Rob. Uh, Notice that you're already getting involved <laughs> in the uh, in the comments on there. Um, <laughs> I will yeah, I mean, do that. That it obviously uh, resolution one. No surprise that the National League uh, voted for their own, uh, you know, their own vote, and it was, um, it yeah, it was quite a tight vote in terms of ending step one wasn't it 13 against them seven four so i would have thought it would have been um mm-hmm. a bit higher than that considering what's at stake but you know maybe maybe it's a but as you say yeah it's, it was interesting how the voting was split um in the north and the south um not really it any any idea why why that would be i mean yeah, are, are the, the, the northern north clubs don't... struggling more well if, if you think the north went into lockdown a lot earlier because if you think there's a majority Manchester-based, and that of course, yeah, in like yeah, end yeah. of October, no, whole of November, December, January, February, and hopefully at some point they'll come out of it. And I think that's really what it is: is that they've been properly hit by no crowds when at least some of the clubs in the south you had crowds for even yes there were smaller crowds but yes you were able to get some of that match day revenue back and the 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 north clubs weren't able to and i think probably this year there aren't as many bankrollers in the national league north as what there has been in previous seasons yeah yeah that mm. yeah because mm. obviously you've had had the likes of salford yeah. and, and that in there and yeah um and harrogate and that coming through in the in the past um I mean, he's it, actually it's... the longest-serving manager in the football league, Simon Weaver at Harrogate. Yes, yes, of course. Even though he's only been in the football league a season. <laughs> yep. Um, going back <laughs> to what you were saying, there. Club. <laughs> <laughs> Goes a long way, doesn't it? That. Um, going back to what you were saying there, Rob, about relegation and promotion from from the National League and League Two. I mean, surely that'll still be intact, won't it? Because if if the National League's continuing, then there's no reason not to have. Yeah. Promotion and relegation yeah. there. So League Two is going to continue. I would assume. Well, I, I would assume we, very much so. Yeah, I would assume very much so. The FA will probably insist on that being honoured. Um, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would would the seven that voted to end the national to end step one would they be the part time clubs? Maybe I wonder. I don't know how many. I don't know what the split is on part time and full time. I don't know. Um, um, I did. I did have. I'm not sure now. It was. It, it was. It was not easy to actually pick out a lot of the step one votes. A lot of the step two votes, you know, there was public announcements made. So that made it a bit easier to try and follow what was going on. And the result as it's been announced is pretty much in line with what I was seeing and what I was expecting. Not all the clubs voted. Not all the clubs, you know, know, put their hands up. But, you know, the indications were from everything that you could find was that was what was going to happen. But looking at the National League, from what I could find, Dover Athletic voted to null and void. 
Kingslin Town voted to null and void, as yeah. did Wheelstone. So you might be right with the rest of them. So that would look at possibly. I mean, just trying to just trying to work out who the other part time clubs are. We're going to be in this league. I'm, I'm just looking Weymouth, at the possibly Barnet at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Would, um, I don't. I'd... It probably is the bottom seven that have said uh, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean. Yes, because I mean, if you think about it, they, they were taking a chance that the step two would be declared null and void, because if they voted to continue, and the you know the you know something happened at step two, and you know they had to continue, for them to actually vote to say that they wanted the season to continue would drop them right in it. So they had to vote to cancel the season to cover those cover themselves and basically save themselves from the trapdoor. As it's turned out, it doesn't make a blind bit of difference what you know how they voted because step two have basically said, you know, we're done. You know, we don't want to carry on. We can't afford to carry on. What, and what, so all of those, you know, all of those that can carry on in, in the national league. What What will this mean for for the for the leagues below the north and south then? Because presumably their their clubs are now not going to have any desire to continue because they're, they're not going to get. Cancelled. Have they, have they already been null and they've void? Already been, yeah. They've already been null and void, James. Have yeah. they? So, to be honest, it didn't I know they were. I know they were on suspension. I didn't realise they'd actually been cancelled. Yeah, that's fair. Yes, enough, they so. had. Yeah. Yeah. It's so basically, it, I mean, the, the, hmm. the whole the whole premise is the, the the only reason they all started was because, well, what for one reason hmm. they um, were expecting crowds at some point, weren't they? And then the other yeah. one was they were they were promised grants, and those grants have. Yeah. Of turning, you know, of well, turning to loans, repayable grants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I well, like that. That's that's like how I bought my house with a repayable grant. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, though, again, this comes back to the whole can of worms that was opened up, you know, when this all broke. Apparently, it's starting to look like. Yes, the grants were given at the start, and they were told there was further funding available, you know, for when this run out. And it's starting to look as some as if some people made an assumption, which has turned out to be a complete cock up, that it would continue in the same format, and that's what the league possibly may have assumed and gone with, and told the clubs. Whereas you know the Department for Culture, Media and Sport just said there is further funding available. Apparently, apparently, they never specified what form that would take. So then it starts to look as if you know somebody's basically put a wrong interpretation on what they were told by government and this is what the end result if it had been said up at the start back in august or whenever the grants were finally decided that any follow-up funding would have to be in the form of loans i think we'd have been in a very different situation and we wouldn't be sat here tonight discussing these results i'm because then because that... clubs would then have not even started I'm working more of a cynical rule that the goalposts were Nothing changed by there. the government um, partway through. Mm -hmm. And while they didn't explicitly say, you will receive a grant, they will say, don't worry about funding, it will be there. And after giving somebody, so if you give somebody 50 quid and then he said, don't worry about the next 50, it will be there. One would rightly assume that well, you're going to give me another 50 then, not repayable in in three or four months time. I think the government have said, ooh, um, we're running out of reason to be able to give cash away free. 
you're 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 only uh, a football club. We won't give it to you because what we're going to do is lean on our buddies in the Premier League to give it to the rest of the football league. So they're all right. Um, and oh yeah, we, we don't really care about you at that level. We, so um, you can pay us back. And that's what they've done with a lot of small businesses and all of the other stuff is that if you think all the money they gave out saying, oh, we've given thousands away to small business, it's all loans. None of it is actual free money. So it's mm. borrow this for a year and hopefully things will be better. As it turns out, for the majority of the country and like we've seen with the football, it's not better. And now they're starting to become due all this VAT that they said, oh, don't pay us yet, pay us later. They've deferred everything. And I think this is probably what's happened with the football, uh, with the National League, is that they were given the impression, a very strong impression, that they were going to get cash again with no strings. And the government have said, well, actually, yeah, you can have it. We're fulfilling our end of the bargain. By the way, you can have it as a zero percent loan we, or two percent loan. We do want that back in five years' time. Mm. Part of the problem is, though, all the other sports that get funding from the government, they already are work. They've been working for years on the, <clears throat> on the, you know, on the fact that any money that they've given is a loan. So, if you think about it, any further grants for football is basically setting a precedent for all these other spots to come in and say oi you get football you get football all these free grants we're having to pay loans come on you know make it fair make it equal we want grants too we want grants as well now once you've done you know you can do it once as a special exception and that's what they did but can you do it a second time without everybody else basically diving down your throat wanting an equal you know equal treatment and getting grants country, no yeah. loans yeah it's a case of in this country that is the way sports are funded. It's loans. There's, very, there's not that many grants. There's some. I'm not disputing the fact there is some. But a lot of the fact, if sports want money in that kind of situation, they can have loans. And that's the way it's been. At the moment, football's trying to make out it's a special case. But as far as I'm concerned, you know, there are no special cases in this. We're all in, you know, we're all the same. We're all in it together. We've all got to go by the same rules, no matter we're big, small, up in the air or underground. And I think that's part of the problem. It's the fact that, you know, once the decision was made to give free grants first off in the summer last year, you know, anybody with a bit of smart intelligence would have thought, well, hold on, you know, Sport England don't give out too many grants. The government don't give out grants at all. Where is this money? If anybody had had a, you know, with hindsight thinking about it, they would have said, well, you know, where is this money? And as it turned out, there's so much money being used to assist the recovery from the pandemic. I can quite easily believe that, you know, a lot of people have said it's got to be, you know, you've got to have loans because we can't afford to keep giving you it. But that doesn't excuse a lot of the reaction that's come out from clubs themselves. And there's one or two that are definitely going to have eggs on their faces. And they're going to make quite serious embarrassments of themselves because of, you know, because of their point of view and because they wants you know wanted the vote to go differently um a couple of days ago a, a chairman at another non-league uh, north national league south club has basically said that if a northern vote, vote vote is declared he's taking legal advice well i'm sorry yes you may lose the vote and it turns out you will have lost the vote but you can't 
do what you want to do. It's either a collective vote from all the clubs or the league make a decision. And again, applies to all clubs. An individual club can't pick and choose what it wants to do in the situation. Unfortunately, this, there's one or two clubs in the south that are going to be seriously cheesed off. The fact that you know they wanted to carry on, as far as they was concerned, they could survive. Majority of them, I mean, the ones that voted um, to continue, you know, are in the top ten with you know playoff pretensions. You know, teams like you know Dartford, Eastbourne, Ebbsfleet, Haventon, Waterlooville. You know, they're all clubs that were fancied their chances. They wanted to continue, but because of the North being so one-sided, you know, they're basically being told, well, you can't. And yet, you know, even in this, there was clubs that were voting opposite to what you'd expect. I mean, for example, Welling United in the South, bottom or second bottom, how do you think they voted? They voted to continue. They wanted to carry on to try and get themselves out of trouble. You know, and... You know, they had this thing that they had an obligation as regards to the money that they'd already received. And yet my own club, Hampton and Richmond, seventh, playoff spot, you know, definitely got the, you know, player potential to, to stay there and fight for playoff at the end of the season, voted to null and void because as they quite rightly said, you know, what's he, you know, what kind of format is the league going to be this next season? We could take a punt on it, but for what end? For what good would it do? And the manager at Hampton made a very, you know, a very strong accusation, and naming no names, that for some managers, they want success for themselves and not necessarily for the club that's employing them. They want to see their name against, you know, winning a title, and it doesn't matter which club gives them it. And I thought, yeah, I've met a few of those managers, and I'm thinking, you're right, there are. Some people are in it for their own selfish, yeah. their, their, their own selfish gain, and not necessarily for the benefit of the club. You know, there's there's some clubs that could continue, but there's also a lot that can't. You know, and in the end, you know, that's the trouble's going to take place. Yeah, it's it's always going to be uh, that situation, and I think for me, the only criticism I had, and I said this to you, Rob. Um, off air is the time it's not the National League's board's fault to me it's their fault for sending and starting the process after because didn't everybody in the National League like have two weeks off in the North and South yes. you had a couple of weeks off why yes. didn't they start it at the start of that process which is now what three nearly four mm, weeks very ago true. Yeah, rather than forcing yeah. these clubs and we, we, we mentioned Dulwich last week and Slough and Bath now I feel for them because they were told you've got to restart mm. and they've got no money to they've got no will to and all that sort of stuff but they've still got to go through now the disciplinary procedures because the league started even though it's now null and void they didn't follow the rules when the, the league was running and so they're still going to have to go through and I think the only now I love I love to use this phrase uh, on people um, there's no such thing as spirit of the law and there's no such thing as the moral of the law there is the law hopefully though they will use that law and they will say you're guilty but you have no fine and no points deduction next season because 
that bit would really kick you in the teeth if I was one of those clubs mm. that has broken the rules. They will admit they've broken the rules. So they do have extenuating circumstances. I think they could argue that case. And they're going to be, they, to me, they should be found guilty, but have no fine and no points deduction. But it will go on that they fail to fulfill their fixtures without a valid reason because other people were doing it. And that's the, that's the thing. If everybody had done it, only but one or two clubs had done it, then it would be different. But because of, what was it, four or five clubs who, or three, three or four clubs who didn't do it, they then have to be found guilty because everybody else has done. And it's one of those really bad situations, but that's where I think the league has messed up and they've brought the ire of some fans, because some fans will just complain anyway, because if you were sitting pretty at the top, let's uh, let's say... Gloucester, Gloucester could actually have made it out of being in the north because they're nowhere in the north, but they are in the north. Mm. Uh, they could have made it out, promoted. Um, so I can see some ire that would come there uh, from that from that perspective where oh, we really wanted to do this. This was our season. But then you look at the bottom of the bottom of the north and you're looking at Blythe on six points saying, well, yeah, we've survived by the skin of our teeth. Um, we, we get to live another live another day, and I, I like what Hampton have done. Uh, I like their decision. You were six, by the way, um, according to the National League mm. website. Um, what Hampton have done is a sensible thing. They're saying, well, we could continue because we've got our structures in place. We know we can do it. It's a struggle, but we know we can do it. But what are we continuing for? What what's going to happen? We're going to mm. we're going to need to go down to Slough on a cold Tuesday night. Hopefully not as cold now, but on a Tuesday night, and they're going to say we're not playing anymore. And <laughs> because at the end of the day, if Dulwich, Slough, Bath, uh, I'm only picking those because we know those are, those were some of the people. Um, if they just turn around and says, "Well, screw you, we're not doing any more fixtures," there's only so much they can be fined, and <laughs> that's it. Oh, well, the worst they can do, relegate them from the league, um, which I'm not mm. even sure is a sanction they could do, but. So I feel no, for all of this, and the only can say the only criticism I would have is that why didn't they start the process three was it, it must have been three weeks ago, nearly four weeks ago now, because it's naturally ended now. We've already got the votes in; hmm. these extra two votes aren't going to make a difference. We already know that Wrexham play in the wrong country, so they were abstaining because hmm. they need to move country. Actually, Chester play in the wrong country, but. Um, I think legally mm. they're in one country, even though the ground's over the border. Um, so yeah, it's a it's an interesting, awful situation. But I'm glad it's finally been put to bed. And then it does just leave that question of: Is Torquay going to make it back into the league? Is Notts County going to do it? Is Stockport finally Stockport are sitting fourth, although they've got a lot of games uh, extra more than Notts County and Sutton. Are they finally going to get back? and go potentially depending how things go Stockport could get back into the league and they could play the other fallen giants who are spending absolutely millions and say oh Mr. French rich boy can you come and be our sugar daddy please because you've worked so hard in your life being 23 um, oh did daddy make you a lot of money and now you can come and play and we can be your little plaything. Um, this obviously is the story of Sunderland, 
who are paying record levels uh, for being dire in a League One, um, where they've just been bought by Cyril Dreyfus, and I can't remember he's got it's Gucci Dreyfus. Oh, I can't remember his name now. Uh, Kirill Louis Dreyfus. Cyril. Where well, starts with a K. I'm calling him mm. Cyril. Well, you it's do because his mum's his mum's <laughs> Russian. He's he's doing a, a very bad impression of Jurgen Klopp as well, looking at those glasses. I think he's doing a very bad imp- well, he's doing a very good impression of a spoiled little rich kid who wants to have a little play. Yeah, I mean, you've got to you've got to be. A, I mean, we're we're not Sunderland fans by any any stretch, but you, you, I would be slightly worried um, about what's what's going on here. Um, yeah, I mean, we're just going to have to see how it plays out, I guess. But I wouldn't be that enamoured with a 23-year-old buying my club, if I'm honest. Especially when, you know, like you say, he's, he's basically been bought the club um, for his birthday, probably, or something like that. I don't know. It's it's such a huge club and it's got such potential. If you've got the right owner in there, they you know, they could be back in the Premier League in, well... 20 years' time. <laughs> to be fair, I think they could probably be back there in five years with the right owner and... And a little bit of luck, and you know the the right signings, and it'd have to be a perfect storm of of uh, you know of everything going right. Um, but I just wonder, you know, the 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 saying "frying pan and fire" is there for a reason, and I'd just be I, I wouldn't be jumping for joy at this. I'd I'd be prepared to give him a chance. I mean, it's it's not fair to to go against him just because of his age or or his background or whatever. But I'd be I'd be a little bit a little bit. Um, um, so Stuart Donald was he the former owner? He still retains a minority shareholding. He owned a non-league club, didn't he? Was it Eastley? He used to own. I can't. Remember. Well, I think it was, yes, was it Eastley. Um, Stuart Donald used to own. He. Because I'm sure we used to talk about him on our old podcast. <laughs> yeah. So he bought three years ago. Um, he bought the club from Ellis Shorts. Um, yeah. And I did have it a second ago. Um, but yes, Stuart. Donald bought the club and he's been trying to sell it for a year and so that's the only thing with him is that as as far as he's as far as Stuart Donald's concerned I've got actually no problem with it and I've got I I may have made a sound off about the kid being young I think it's just because they're going to say oh he's the youngest so he's amazing he's but it's like Elon Musk's parents were millionaires so it's great when you start out with a lot you can make more Amazing how the world works. I cannot find who this is stalling then. Um, I will find who Stuart Donald does uh, and I'll let you continue, James. Yeah, I mean, the the, 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 the fact that he is so young is um, means that he's, he's going to be energetic, enthusiastic, um, but you, you, you do worry that he's going to let the exuberance of youth rule his his head and he's just gonna you know if someone comes along and offers offers him a player for for x amount of millions you know is he is he gonna buy him because he's a big name um you know and things like that you just wonder if it's if it's a case of real life football manager kind of thing for him and i just i hope not and as you said we, we can't judge him just because of his age um but you, you know it, it it's going to bring a lot of attention to to the club because of it so it's you know and i mean it's already a club with a huge amount of attention because of the size of the club and the level they're at. 
Um, so, you know, the pressure there, the, the fans are going to be expectant if, if they think he's, he's, you know, he's got money. They're going to expect him to be spending that money. And yeah, you'd, you do just wonder if, if in these early days we're going to have some agents coming along now and trying to get their, their bang average clients massive contracts at the club and, and line their own pockets. It's seven years, so why not now? Well, yeah, fair enough. But I just hope he's got some, you know, I hope he's not going to be there on his own. I hope he's going to have some good some good advisors around him and, and be, you know, well supported and, and not left to do it on his own and not, not let his ego take over and, you know, and things like that. And he, he does what's best for the club because if, if they, like I say, they get the right, the right owner and and a good a good young manager that can that can go up the divisions with the club you know similar to the way that Chris Wilder has done at Sheffield United you know then the, the club could be could be back in the champ you know towards the top end of the championship very very quickly um but you know league 1 is very very difficult to get out of i mean we've talked about many many times the some of the some of the the, the clubs that are in there and the size of them um but yeah i mean you know, look, he he was there last week. Um, his first public appearance when uh, Sunderland lost two one to Shrewsbury. Is there not a quarantine coming from France? Um, I, well, yeah, but it does. I don't know if he's already been over here for a couple of weeks. Do I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just, just purely a question. There possibly is. Um, I mean, I couldn't tell you because. I don't think any English clubs were playing French clubs, were they, in Europe? So then none, none of them were being played on, on neutral grounds. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I'll, I'll reserve judgment, but I am on the cynical side of things. And that's not just because I'm a grumpy old man. <laughs> no, you're a grumpy old Yorkshireman. And another grumpy old Yorkshireman, Rob. Oi. You, you must love a little rich man. Yeah, yeah. oi, oi, he's not from Yorkshire. I think he is. <laughs> Hull is <Hey>. in Yorkshire. <laughs> I was born. I, I was born in Bridlington. That's Yorkshire. Oh, Definitely was. Okay. I'll let you off there. Then. Don't argue, James. Don't argue, James. <laughs> um, to be honest, um, I know where Kristen's going, and he's going to talk about Hull City. And you know, in in many respects, you know, the, the current owner there never. I don't think he ever really got exactly what the club is and what the club's about and stuff like that yes he had the money yes no question about what he's done for the club but he never actually understood what the club was about and you know actually never completely got what the club is sorry is it still so, the North Ferriby you know, owners Rob sorry to cut in there is no. it still the North Ferriby well, 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 yeah, well, well yes it is still um, a family yeah yeah it's, it's still the same family uh, Assam Alam that's doesn't the really I have think much. Of the name. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have anything really to do with the day-to-day -day running of the club anymore. He's not well enough, um, and it's his son Ihab that's you know effectively running the club. And to put it bluntly, I think when, if ever the club is sold and he uh, leaves the Kcom Stadium, there'll be a street party in the streets of Hull because, to be honest, he is not popular. He is not liked. Um, he doesn't really understand. He, he understands business, but he doesn't understand football, and he doesn't. He can't make the two come together, <laughs> and that's the problem. You've got to have somebody in there that knows football, knows about football and what football means, but can also understand the business side too. Well, yeah, you, I mean that that would be the ideal situation. But there, if if you if you're a pure businessman, then you've got to get the the uh, the, the 
sporting director or the director of football or the chief operating officer. You've got to have football men in those roles, mm. if you know. But that means mm. recognizing your own shortcomings, doesn't it? But sorry, Rob, I didn't mean to. Um, yeah. Didn't mean to cut you off in full flow. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. I'd about finished anyway, so I wouldn't. <laughs> but you know, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, for Hull City, it never worked. You know, yes, the guy stabilised the club. He took it further on um, from the situation it was on and stabilised everything. And for that, you know, those first few months, the club thought, you know, we all thought he could be, you know, one of the great owners that we've ever had. And then he, then he started getting, a, you know, the ideas and it rapidly turned sour. He could have done so much and, you know, have the fans almost worship the ground he walked on. For a few short for a short period of time, that was there. You could see that on the horizon. This could happen, and he spoiled it all for himself. And you know, you know, as, as a consequence, as soon as you started messing around with the traditions and the history of the club, that was it. The fans don't go for that under any circumstances. Um, it's a very, you know, it's a very strange set of supporters that will. So you know, and. It, to bring it back down to my personal level, if it was to happen at Hampton, you know, I wouldn't have that much of a problem with it because, you know, the club, for all of the fact it's it's been well run at the moment, you know, no club's going to turn down a little bit of extra cash in the pocket. I wouldn't want us to become one of these money bags clubs that, with backers that can, you know, buy their way out of a league. That would just destroy what the semi-professional club in the scene is all about and it has done in many places i would just basically hope if a, someone came into a club like hampton they just basically appointed you know yes you've got the owner right i'll have a chief executive in there to run the business he'll be responsible you know and he'll be he'll report to me but he'll have authority to work in my name you know and so on someone who understands what a club at that level means to the community and when you get to, a, you know, especially so in Sunderland's case, I mean, if you look at Sunderland, hell, you know, they are as big a club as you're going to find in terms of, you know, you know, passion and support. You know, look at the players that have come through Sunderland through history. You know, they've, you know, this should be the very minimum, a championship club, and they've definitely got, I would say they've got, you know, a claim to, for, the, for the Premier League too. You know, because, you know, they're... They've definitely got the the, the 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 base there. The rivalry with you know with Newcastle United, you know they've just you know got so much going for them, and just you know the problems that they've had have put them in there. But there's one takeover that we haven't mentioned, and I think it's quite important. Burnley, mm. um, they've just had a takeover deal announced. Yeah, and it's and a bit of a strange one. Could, it's a bit of a strange one, and the end result could end up changing the very thing about Burnley that the supporters, not the supporters want, but you know the supporters recognise, and just change the atmosphere and the ethos of the place completely, and turn Burnley. Because don't forget, Burnley is still pretty much a town club. Let's not forget they're still you know Burnley's not that big a place. It's effectively a town. You know, you might as well call them Burnley Town because that's pretty much what it is. But look at what they've done in the Premier League. Look at what they've done in the last three or four seasons. And yet they've been taken over. They're a well-run club. You know, the the salary compared to turnovers is actually very good. I think it's about 60%, you know. 
it's at a nice sustainable level but the problem is you get investment in this kind of situation you get a takeover in this kind of situation it's a pity you can't do air quotes when you say investment Mm, yeah. Mm. Yes. This because... is it. This is it. We we take out a loan for ninety so million. Give it you, to me, and I'll buy you. Mm. There we you, go. You're going. You're going to. Uh, mm. You're going to set me off for you on Burnley. <laughs> um, well, if you if, if, well, if you want, Alex, you 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 know, yeah, you can. You know, j j j just go ahead for five minutes. I've, I've just got an email to write. <laughs> well, before you do, let's let's just. I want just want to wrap up because I was being a little bit disparaging against Mr. Lewis Dreyfus. Louis Dreyfus. Um, his dad did own Marseille, and so yep. he bought that two year. He bought Olympic Marseille two years before um, Kiru was born, and so he has grown up around football. So to be fair to him, he has grown up around that. He also has grown up with the fact his dad used to run Sachi and Sachi, uh, so knows how to advertise pretty well. He used to run Adidas, so he knows how to strike a few deals. He Use was accused of corrupting the FIFA board in 2002, but we don't talk about that. And um, so I think he has got a bit of football credit credibility, unlike some Wall Street capitalists coming over to screw over yet another English football club. If you think of what happened to Ooh. Man United, what happened to Liverpool before the current owners took over, is Burnley going to go the way of the way of those where mm. the debt was nothing? And now he's millions. And yeah. is Sean Dyche not going to be the second, um, sorry, third longest serving manager in the Football League currently? Well, I mean, they, they they have said that they're happy, you know, I mean, they'd be mad not to be happy with what Sean Dyche has done there. The, the problem I've always had with Burnley over the years is everyone just... Too English. Well, everyone just accepts that they've... They have a shoestring budget and a really small budget, and uh, you know they've got mm -hmm. they can't go out there and spend a, t a crap ton of money on players. But this is a this is a club that's had it, over the last what seven years. I think they've had all but one year in the Premier League, and we always say you know you in the Premier League with the, all the TV money, all the prize, even without winning anything, all the prize money that you get for it. I mean, hundreds of millions they've made while they've been there. So why have they got no money? Why is it a shoestring budget? Yeah, they were they had money in the bank. They weren't in debt, which is phenomenal. It's fantastic. Um, they have done a little bit of work on the ground, but it's you know it's ten fifteen million pounds worth. It's not it's not a lot. And I just I always really wouldn't you know. And they've sold players for big money in that time as well. Um, you know, players players have left, so they have brought in transfer revenue as well. But it's always always accepted the. They operate on a shoestring, and I just I've always I've always mm. found that a little bit strange. Um, but the the, the maybe that maybe they pay the players they have better than they would get elsewhere, so that they don't leave. I guess maybe that's that's the thing. But then Rob says it's sixty percent uh, wage to turnover, so it's you know it's it, I don't know. They are extremely well run. I just don't understand why everyone just accepts that they've got no money because they must have. Um, but when this takeover happened, mm. they apparently had. 50 million in cash in the bank and the people that took them over have used that to take them over <laughs> so it's no, plus, plus another 90. plus <laughs> another 90 so it, it's as you say Kristen, they've suddenly gone from absolutely no problems whatsoever if they went down not an issue they've got money in the bank they'll they'll probably come straight mm -hmm. back up they won't have to sell anybody in that first season 
obviously they wouldn't stand in anybody's way if they wanted to go back to the Premier League with another club. But they would be in a very, very good position to come back up at the first or second attempt. Um, now, if they go down and they lose that Premier League income and they're saddled now with tens of million pounds worth of debt, mm. all of a sudden they're no better than anyone else, are they? Uh, it, it's a, yep. you know, you, you've 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 you're right to um, liken it to the United takeover, Kristen. Obviously, on a on a far mm. smaller scale, mm. but. It's not a smaller scale when you consider it's proportionate, isn't it? it you know, when you put it's Burnley up against Man United and, and the and the amounts involved, it's basically you know at a proportionate level they're exactly the same thing, aren't they? You've, um, it, uh, yeah, I I would be worried. I'd be, I'd be I'd be worried that, that you know it, it's going to end up with them leaving Turf Moor because you know they're going to build a new stadium, things like that, which obviously is a great thing, but. You know, yeah, they're not a... really going to build a new stadium. The new owner is going to build a new stadium, rent it to the club in perpetuity yeah. because that's and, what and, the new but, owners uh, yeah, do. Yeah, and sell off Turf Moor, and that's yeah, and yeah. I mean, out of Burnley and Sunderland, this is the one that I'd be really worried about if I was a fan of of Burnley, because you know, I mean, they finished seventh a few years ago, didn't they? I remember that, that season when they mm. finished seventh. Mm. I think they went three months without winning a game and never moved out of seventh place in the league. It was, it was one of those ridiculous seasons where they were just seventh mm-hmm. <laughs> for only, the whole only, season. It was only two seasons ago as well. Uh, yeah. That, that year, they did actually make money on the transfer market. Yeah, because they've sold players like Michael Keane, haven't they? And um, there's been one or two others that have that have moved on and made some decent money for them. So well, you know, you, you say that last last season, 2018-19, they had a net spend of. Um, they spent twenty million pound more than they received. Yeah, um, I can't remember who that was on now. They they bought. Yeah, I don't Ben Gibson. And was it Ben um, Gibson they Vidra. spent that much on? And Vidra, of course. 15, yes, that's Fifteen one. mil for Gibson and mm. uh, Vidra with that. I think the most amusing thing I found that they sold Jay Rodriguez, uh, Rodriguez, yeah. for six and a half million, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like seven years ago, and then bought him back for five. So they've made some money on him. Yeah. Um, but actually, over mm. the last. We say about the shoe cinch budget over the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seasons. Let's go back to seven seasons. Um, they've only had two seasons where they've made money on the transfer market. The rest of the time, they've lost money. Okay, okay. Have they? Hmm. I mean, well, if we, if we go, that, hey, they they were making money. Um, yeah, but they 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 had cash reserves. They had money in the bank, and yeah, you know, and. That that's the big thing, isn't it? I mean, I, only three I, and a half mil for Kieran Trippier. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. <laughs> that's what they sold him for. That pres- was, wow. Presumably, with a, up now. Well, he's going to win the Spanish title this year. Hopefully, they had uh, selling mm. clauses for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, that's that is a that is a worrying tick because the the thing when I when we're comparing it to the Man United takeover, the the difference is. Mm. United make a hell of a lot of money, and their debt is mm-hmm. probably more. I know it's gargantuan, it's, it's a billion, but word. it's what they call serviceable. Yeah, and I, I just wonder how, how for how long, especially if they did go down, which is going to happen at some point. It just is. It's going to catch up with them at some point because they're not making any progress. Their aim every season is seventeenth, and eventually. You're not going to make that target, and they've 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 danced really really closely with that in the last few years. Um, mm. And if they do go down with that sort of leveraged debt, it suddenly doesn't become a serviceable, and that would be the issue I have. I would be very very concerned about this one if I was a 
a, a Burnley fan, and I do I do have a, some Burnley supporting uh, friends and, and colleagues, and um, you know, so it is it is one that I will be following. Um, same with Sunderland. I've got Sunderland fans. It's the beauty of working in London. You just know mm. fans of pretty much every club. Mm. Um, True. So yeah, um, I'll be following both of those, and I'm sure we will on the podcast as well because one or both are going to be very, very interesting in the next few years, I think. It's going to be one of those little perverse schadenfreude moments where you watch somebody else suffer. Yep. One of them's going to suffer, unfortunately. Usually we watch the referees suffer, and there's been a bit of pushback um, with <laughs> Darren Drysdale this week mm. um, deciding some little short arse having a go at him from Ipswich. He was going to square up to him. Now, it's awful what the referees go through, but it's one of those situations I always find where the referee has the tools in his pocket to deal with the situation. If the little pipsqueak was having a shouting match at him, he just goes, okay, son, um, just turn around for me. Oh, number 29. Right, I'll just write you a little name in this book. Here's a red card. Now get the F off the pitch. Take it up with the FA later. Mm. Get off the pitch now. You don't go, you're out of it. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you've uh, um, and... obviously you've mm. you talked to referees more than um, I do, Rob. And you know, and you've they've got mm. the Dean Ashton um, little thing that TalkSport did on Twitter. Um, I couldn't find a link to a decent website about it. Um, but he's obviously saying that well, maybe we do go too far with the abuse because they are human beings at the end of the day. But some of it, and this is the mm. this is the thing that really just gets me. Talksport are probably some of the worst for yes. going after a referee yeah. for yeah. making a decision. But now, oh no, we're going to. It's gone too far. And who's gone too far? Your bloody pundits every single week. <laughs> I have to admit that's one radio station that I will not listen to. You know, no, recently, either. you know, they've got the, you know, the, 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 they've got the commentary rights for the, um, basically for the England Test cricket in India. Oh. And I'm just, I just won't listen to it. I, I just won't listen to it. I prefer, you know, because I don't. I suppose it's, you know, I think a lot of the time Talksport trying to generate news from what they are themselves saying. Basically, they're not trying to invent the news, but they're trying to just you know, generate some from They're reporting the afternoon on what the they public. said in the morning. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and and but for me, this interview that they put out on social media with Dean Ashton is a very for me it's actually slightly sobering in the fact here we have an ex-player that was probably as bad as anybody else on the pitch now holding his hands up and says, yeah, I probably did go too far. We are probably going too far as a, you know, as a sport. Look at how we treat the match officials. He's basically gone from poacher to gamekeeper. You know, now he's not involved on the pitch. Now he doesn't cross the white line anymore. You know, he's basically, you know, wringing his hands and saying how badly we treat them. The problem is, though, he's right. You know, and I'm just thinking, I mean, I saw, the, I saw some of the responses to it, again, following on social media. And in the interview, Dean Ashton also goes on about social media, about what gets said there. And the very things that he was talking about, I was seeing in that thread from the supporters. Calling referees corrupt, calling them basically biased, basically calling them every name under the sun. 
and yet Dean Ashton was just saying that's the problem with football. It's a saying that I've picked up from a blogger I follow over in the US, and he's, you know, and he's had a lot of political problems, as we know. And his saying is, if you want a better country, be a better citizen. Adapt that to football. If you want a better game, be a better supporter. But because of the money, it gets excused. Because of the emotion, it gets excused. Because of all the passion that survives the Premier League, it gets excused. I think it's time to stop excusing this. The referees should be supported. They should be backed. And if the managers don't like it, they need to start educating their players. If you don't like the decision, tough, walk away. It ain't going to solve the team if you get a yellow card or a red card and get sent off. You may not like it. You may think it's wrong. But you're not the one that basically makes the decision. You don't have the view that the referee had. You're not the one that gets training in the interpretation of the laws. You're just a player. And to be honest, guys, some players that I've found are fearfully ignorant when it comes to the actual laws of the game. Some of them are so stupid, I'm surprised they even know which boot to put on correctly. I, I've seen think plenty of players have on written on their boots. <laughs> yeah, and yet these are the people that keep saying the referees are wrong, that the match officials can't do a job, the match officials are against them. I'm sorry, guys, but if you want the referees to, you know, to actually be good at their job, you give them some respect as well, you back them. If they make a mistake, fine, they make a mistake. But don't go trying to ram it down the throat so hard that it comes out of the opposite side. That's the problem with football these days. A lot of it's excused because it's classed as emotion and it's excused because a lot of people are chasing success. Sorry guys, that doesn't wash for me. You if you want the if you want the game to be better, you've got to start with yourself. And I think there's a few people who are scared to do that. You could also scrap God, VAR again, because then you don't have somebody making a decision who's watching the same thing as everybody else and drawing lines in funny places. Um, mm. Scrap that. Let the man on the middle make the decision. Tell the linesman mm. to put his flag up when it's offside because there is going to be a massive injury and somebody's going to get sued over that because letting the play mm. go when the guy was clearly yards offside and then waiting for another waiting for another like chance before you, you put your flag up is ludicrous but once again it's not the officials that are have are the problem no, no. it's the people making laws which just to reiterate to everybody is not just fifa it's not these foreign people coming over and ruining our game it's all the national uh, our own home nations their fa's also get 50 percent of the vote so yeah fifa get a big bit but you've got four countries who are all joined against the rest of the world um but the other say the other thing for me is just the referees need to deal with it. I've I watched something the other now the way Mr. Drysdale dealt with it by putting his head against the guy and thinking he was a footballer. Um, mm. If a player had done that, the referee just needs to deal with it. If that sort of thing happens in in rugby, your referee gets a bad mm. mouth by somebody. It's right. Oh, you're standing there. That's another ten yards. Then that's another ten yards. Then that's another. Ten, oh, you're getting a yellow card now. Go off for five minutes. The referees in football mm. don't seem to feel they'll get the backing or think they're able to do mm. this or do any of that. And that's where it needs to start. It needs to start with the eight-year-old kids. Because, James, when you used to manage your little lads team, mm. eight-year-old kids turn around, oh, you're wrong, ref. The referee should be saying, am I wrong? 
go over there, see your dad over there, go and stand next to him because you're not on the pitch anymore. Well, and I'd, I'd teach just, them how just to do to, it. Just to jump in there, I would, you know, I'm I'm very proud to say that our our players didn't didn't do that because you we, were too uh, busy doing it. <laughs> No, no, not at all. We <laughs> we would always, uh, you know, you you won't always agree. Every every training session, every every match day, we'd always say, you, you know, you're not going to agree with everything the referee says, every decision he makes. But that's his decision. He's made it. He'll get some wrong. He'll get some right. And even in when we used to do our uh, matches at the uh, little five sides at the end of end of the training sessions, we would deliberately um, make bad decisions in the game. Um, we would give penalties when they weren't there or we'd give free kicks the other way or throw-ins and you could be a premier league referee well, in this it, it was it was basically because you know that way they get they get used to it a bit more don't they? you know there were games where we where me or the the other coach would would go in goal and we deliberately let in a really bad goal because then it teaches them that you know people make mistakes are annoying well, mistakes. yeah, <laughs> they, they make mistakes. You know, it's it's the same as yeah. uh, as a midfielder putting a, a pass straight out a player or overhitting one and it going out for a goal kick. And you know, it, it's it was our way of trying to just get them to teach because we're very aware that people, kids, watch the Premier League, um, and they see Mo Salah diving every week and and players going. Sorry, there is something. Harry Kane does it as well. Sorry, that's, for, for, that's actually the balance. point. You see all the players doing it. Yes, yeah. only the ones who are vilified are the ones who do not put three lines on their chests uh, every four or five months. Yeah, um, mm. but we we would even um, if if um, during a match if if one of our players did like argue back to the referee, it would be like you know I do that again and you're coming off and if yeah, they did do it again time. they would be substituted off because it was rolling subs um because the the fa they have uh you, you can you can't play a full match and everyone has to get equal game time at that age and so it would be a case of you they'd come off for the rest of that quarter um and let you know and have a drink and cool down and and then they could go back on again later it's on actually um, something that happened that, that if that happened in the big boy sport, it would actually diffuse a lot of these situations because sometimes it is you just mm. need five minutes rest. Well, it's the same with it's the same with managers' interviews after they get you know you you yeah. come off the pit. They haven't even had a chance to talk to the players yet, and you're shoving a microphone in the face, asking them about the referee giving a red card. I mean, what? <laughs> Ten minutes? That's just, sorry, no, I don't care whether you've got TV program to make. You've got enough pundits in the studio that are getting paid thousands for five it's minutes Dick work. Dick who does that for Sky. I wish somebody would have rammed that up his ass. Yeah, but, you know, but they, these mm. pundits, I mean, I, it really narks me when they, they come back from an advert break and the presenter does about three seconds and then they go back to a bloody advert break and then come back for the game. And it's, it's like, what do you actually do? Maybe they should do some talking mm. and actually do something to earn them ridiculous Sky TV money that they're getting paid instead of hauling the managers out and shoving a microphone in the face when they've had no chance to calm down. You know, Mr. Dry, yeah, he was in the wrong for, for doing what he did, but we don't know what, what caused that. He might have had a massive Barney with his missives yeah. or, you know, he might have, you know, somebody suffering from COVID that he's really worried about. And he might just have been, in, he might have just been really pissed off. And this little idiot from Ipswich is, in his face constantly, Alan Judge in in, in in his navel constantly, so he's decided to <laughs> stick the head on him. And do you know what? Yeah, he's a referee, and he should know better. 
but we're, we're, we're all human. There's been plenty of players that have headbutted other players and punched other players even on their own team or on the opposition team. The fact that referees mm. don't do this more often is the, is the shock, quite frankly. And he's been taken out of, out of um, refereeing. He was due to referee Bolton and Southend's game this, this weekend, and he isn't going to be refereeing that. Um, and he has been charged by the FA. Obviously, he would be. I really hope he doesn't get sacked. I hope but, that but maybe... Why is Vice the player not being charged? Well, that I don't know about. I don't know if, if no, anyone will cover that. Know. Maybe they want to make an example what, of the referee what, in this case. Um, because it is... But one thing I did see... I'm sorry to interrupt, James. One thing yeah, I did right. see was that the player, Alan Judge, basically said, as far as he was concerned, it's there was him, nothing for it, yeah. the referee to answer for. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. the referee to answer for. It happened. It, it you know it just happened. It's just one of those things that happened. I'm not expecting the referee to get punished. I'm not expecting him to lose his job for it. It's done. And he's come out and openly said that. And yet, the FA have just gone and said, "Well, we can't have a referee doing that." I mean, what incentive does it give to a referee? You know, one split second where, I mean, we don't know what the players were saying around him. We don't know what kind of little tit judge was being. That the referee just basically for that split second said, yeah, I'm not having that. And yet he's going to be the one that, because, you know, he's supposed to know better. You're excusing the players again. We've come back around to the, we've come back around in a circle. You're excusing the players. Yeah. You're basically saying what the play, you know, basically what the player did is irrelevant. The referee shouldn't have reacted. You know, and it's come back around. You know, we're excusing what the player did. Judge should, Alan Judge, the player, should have been the first one to be charged. Because technically, he shouldn't have been within, you know, that close to the referee in the first place. Because, you know, if you look at the footage, Drysdale is just stood still. And Judge keeps walking towards him. Probably flapping his gob off all the time, all, all, you know, every step. It was, because it was about a penalty that wasn't given. Yeah, so he was, flap he was flapping away. He was getting closer and closer, you know, basically to them. And, you know, and we saw the end result. To be honest, the FA, if they're going to do this properly, should get the player up as well and basically ask him, basically charge him. But because the referee hasn't put anything in his report, nothing will happen. He was probably embarrassed. I'm sorry, but the, uh, yeah, I mean, if you think about it again, which as I just said, we're just excusing the players. We're letting things go. We're just basically not telling the players this is your code of conduct. This is what you're supposed to do. You, you know, you act in a proper manner. But we won't have a good game. We won't have a proper game until people start taking some responsibility for the way they act. No, I just as life, completely really. agree with you, Rob. I think only God can judge them. And our last story tonight, I don't know whether you two have seen this because it was something I've put very late into the chat that I saw that I forgot to put in, was that in Italy, mm. you can be charged under blasphemy laws still and receive a €5,000 fine, or potentially, and potentially rather, two years in prison, and because it is a criminal offence. But um, Buffon has been charged with blasphemy and received €5,000 fine for saying something that no news site is going to actually repeat um, to one of his teammates. And, yeah, I mean, if there's a country on earth that's going to have a blasphemy law, it would be... It would be... Italy, wouldn't it? I mean, it's massively religious, obviously. Um, I've just read in the uh, the article you put up. The, it, we've had uh, Brian Cristante from Roma and Manuel Lazzari from Lazio have also been suspended 
for a match this season for blasphemous remarks. Um, and None of them say what the blasphemous remark was. Well, they're not going to do it. In theory, it's blasphemous. good God, what are you doing is blasphemous. Yeah. Oh, for God's sake. Technically. Yeah. Technically. Hmm. Or you dumb Christian, why are you doing that? Um, is probably not something most people would say, but maybe he said something like that, which would be... But maybe the referee's name was, was, was Christian. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, well, that's the thing, because to, to me, um, you can only take offence, you can never give offence. And it, it's one of those things that it probably... It, it wouldn't offend me. There's very little things that people can say that would... I don't think anything would actually offend me because you can say what you like. Um, doesn't mean I won't punch you, but uh, you can say what you like. And mm -hmm. it's just one of those things I just found it surprising that nobody would actually repeat what he said, even though they're not Italian articles, that nobody would actually do it. And to be found, like you say, this is a third player this season. And what they're actually blaming this on is not the fact that all these players have so become blasphemous. It's the fact that there are no crowds. And so you can hear it. <laughs> every little thing that's said on that pitch mm, is picked up mm. by an external microphone. Yeah, well, spe speaking yeah. of, and, and um, just just before we do round it out, we've, ah, we've, ah, got, the, um, ah. we've got the Milan derby uh, coming up this ah. weekend, which um, they, they play... We're going to have mummy, mummy wife fight this time. Yeah, well, this is this is the thing. I mean... It, it was it was incredible the footage of this from January, um, great. between uh, Zlatan and, and Romelu Lukaku when they, I mean it was it was an unbelievable argument that they had. Um, I mean Lukaku is uh, he's a, he's, a, he's just massive, isn't he? He's phenomenal, um, but he's still brave for going up against multi black belt Zlatan. To be fair, I mean uh, he's a brave brave man, but. Um, yeah, they they play each other on Sunday at two o'clock, and they're the top two in the division. It's gonna be an unbelievable match, and I don't know if you two. I know I know we're getting to the end here, but I've always liked Lukaku. I've always I, I liked him at, <laughs> at Chelsea. I liked him at West Brom. I liked him at Everton. I liked him at United. I didn't uh, in, like him at Man United. He was too good. At Inter, the guy is on another planet. He's He's just unplayable. He it's just because he was much better, he just wasn't liked at United. Yeah, he, the guy the is is virtually unstoppable. I mean, he's a, he's just so good to watch. He's, I mean, he, he's just far too quick and far too skillful for a man of his size. He, he has no right to be as good as he is. He's he's unreal. He re, it's, whether it's the fact that he's, he's happy in Italy and at Milan, or whether it's because he's playing for Antonio Conte, who loves him absolutely love each other um he wanted him at chelsea when they got maratta and lukaku went to united he wanted him at chelsea and finally got him at inter and oh my the guy is ridiculous he is phenomenal at the club uh some of the goals he scores you know i mean the ball's in the back of the net before you've even even it's like a bullet from a gun you know you see it hit the back of the net before you see it leave his foot it's, it's ridiculous um so yeah um it's two o'clock uh i think it's I'm not sure who's got the. I think it's on Premier, isn't it? The uh, the Serie A over here, Premier or Free Sports, it'll be on, or you can find it elsewhere if um, if uh, if need be. Um, but yeah, if you can, I would recommend watching that. It's going to be epic because they they're seven and eight points above Juve as well. So if one of them wins, it's a very very commanding lead at the top of the table. 
See, I've never mm. actually understood that with Italian. So we're going on. I'm going to repeat it in my very pig Italian. Oh, sorry. Um, my porco Dio. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you... Well, I don't go on Twitter. Maybe that's why I need to start doing going on Twitter. Find this gossip. Mm. Um, but there's something I never understood. The Italians are so religious. Why do they play football on Sunday? <laughs> it makes, I don't know. It makes no know. sense. But James, what hmm. I want to know is, with the little external mics at Kaiser Lauten, have you called any of your players anything blasphemous, or even have you just said good goal? Uh, I I would never call, I would never insult my player. I love my my Kaiser Lauten team. Um, <laughs> it's been it, it's been half term this week, so it's been a, a, a little bit slow in in terms of recording, and I've been on early shift so it's you know by the time the kids are in bed and i've got a chance to do a video i'm just i'm just knackered at eight o'clock so i haven't i haven't done any i did bring out the first episode in the bundesliga um a couple of days ago i think it was and it's it's been a it's been a, a tough start it was always going to be tough i mean we got we got promoted from the third to the second to the first in consecutive seasons so we you know we're so far ahead of the uh, of the of the club's targets i think I think after five seasons, they wanted us to be mid-table in the second division. So, to be in the oh, and we still, still might be. Still on we still might still be. On we still, we still might be. Um, but yeah, I mean, love it, loving it. Um, so yeah, you can uh, you can come along and join me on YouTube and Twitter and Instagram. It's uh, Gamer James FM. If you if you put the, that into one of them, you'll find the others. So uh, yeah, come along, and enjoy the ride. I've also got a, a little serve going on in South America as well, where I'm still in Uruguay for now. Trying to find the next Cavani or Suarez. Oh yeah, yes. What Both what a pair of strikers they are. To be fair, Uruguay is still trying to find them as well because they still they're still the front two for the national team, even though they're like seventy between them. <laughs> it's, well, when when you're good, you are good. Um, <laughs> yeah, it said it said pig god uh, when I put it into Google. The hog god. Hog god sounds great because hog father. That's an amazing book um, but we're, we're getting digressing again there um you, hmm. so as you say you can go across to uh, gamerjamesfm.com or you can go to tweets.gamerjames.com uh, sorry jamie gamerjamesfm.com uh, if you want to go over and see that but if you go over to rabidrobo.com you can see what a rabid robo also known as rob <laughs> has to say question is though too many people seem to want to um i've got a feeling there may be a blog post in the next few you know the next few days because after all i've got nothing else to do with me saturday now have i no football <laughs> yeah, what, am, what am i going to do with me saturdays it's going to be a case of yeah i'll have to keep up the wives away a bit well you could um so, you, you could um keep, keep keep a weekly diary on burnley and sunderland <laughs> oh, no, no, I, I think I'd get bored with that after so long, to be honest. <laughs> so yeah, um, so you know, just like to, just I hope all my, you know, all our listeners just feel a little sorry for me because I've got no football to even think about. I can try following Hull City, but you know, they're so unpredictable. It's you know, it's ridiculous. Um, last season they went to DW Stadium to play Wigan Athletic, got stuffed eight 0 uh, last night they go there and they beat Wigan five 0 So still minus five, still minus eight, minus three there. They might get promoted back into the championship and get out of League One. That, as we've said this evening, is a bloody hard league to get out of. 
it is a rough at the minute. There's... <laughs> so, Robert, it is a hard lead to get out of, but whatever you post, if you go across to www.footballasisayit.com you'll be able to find all that stuff uh, you can go across to wegoagainpodcast.com where you can pick up all of the back catalogue you can also jump over there to twitter uh, to we go again podcast um, i'm still trying to fix the bloody link to facebook but you can go across to we uh, go again podcast on facebook uh, just do a little search for us um, go across listen to the back catalogue and go through what we've been saying and come at us um tweet us uh, go across there and drop some comments on but whatever you're doing i uh, thank you for listening